Is your money working as hard as it could be for your future? A decade ago, Robinhood changed the investment landscape when they pioneered commission-free stock trading. Today, they continue to offer innovative products to help users build a better financial future, like IRAs, ETFs, options for qualified traders, and much more. Take control of your financial future with Robinhood. Download the app or visit Robinhood.com to learn more. That's Robinhood.com. Disclosures. Investing involves risk. Other fees may apply. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIP. PC is a registered broker dealer. Good morning, Brew Daily Show. I'm Neil Fryman. And I'm Toby Howell. On today's pod, movie theaters had a historic weekend thanks to amateur nuclear physicists and millennials reliving their childhood. Plus, Jamaica has a women's soccer team, and they have quite the story. Then, Twitter.com, first of its name, is no more, as Elon has decided to rename and rebrand his expensive pet project. Plus, it's been an absurdly hot summer, but power grids refuse to go down without a fight. It's Monday, July 24th. Let's ride. All right, Neil, thanks for tag teaming the show with Kelsey on Friday. I was in McCall, Idaho, uh, as recently as last night, actually. And my biggest takeaway is don't forget you're at 5,000 feet of elevation when you're at 5,000 feet of elevation. In terms of running a marathon? No, it affected everything. I got sunburned quicker than I expected. I got out of breath a lot quicker. I played golf and even pickleball, and the ball travels further when you're playing these racket sports in, in golf. So I was just surprised that... One, that I was at elevation, and two, just how much it was affecting me. Elevation doesn't affect me. <laughs> oh, you're built, it has to be, you're built uh, different. I'm built different. It has to be over like 10K. <laughs> Try going to Breckenridge, where it's, where it's 9,000 feet or uh, yeah. Telluride. Let's do a little. 5,000 is basically sea level. I know, but I swear, like the ball is just floating on me. So that was my excuse. You're more in tune with your sport. Yeah, exactly. That's what, that's what I'll say. All right, now let's get into our first story. Um, there's actually a line from Romeo and Juliet where Juliet Juliet asked her star-crossed lover, what's in a name? Well, Elon Musk must have been brushing up on his Shakespeare this weekend because as of this morning, Twitter is officially ditching the iconic blue bird and the Twitter name to rebrand as simply X. So why the letter X? Well, Elon is obsessed with it. X.com was the original name of PayPal, which he co-founded. Elon is also the founder of SpaceX. There's the Tesla Model X. He has lots of ex-wives and girlfriends. Plus, the business entity of Twitter was already renamed X Corp earlier this year, even if the company branding didn't change until this morning. Clearly, he has a thing for X and has long harbored this desire to create an everything app called X since the PayPal days. But Neil, this is obviously a bold strategy to ditch 17 years worth of brand recognition for this higher esoteric pursuit of an everything app. What do you make of it? Uh, head scratcher. <laughs> Definitely a head scratcher. I mean, the company on its website literally calls the bird its most recognizable asset. And just because of his obsession with the letter X to ditch your most recognizable asset is, uh, you know, people are... It was very prone to criticize Elon Musk's every move with Twitter. Whatever he does, people are going to say it's an idiotic decision. Yeah. This is up there with the top one. Oh, absolutely. I just want to talk about the rollout for a second. <laughs> so obviously this all happened in real time on Twitter over the weekend. So we tweeted out on Saturday, as soon in, and soon we shall bid adieu to the Twitter brand and gradua- gradually all the birds. So that was on Saturday. Then, then he tweeted, if a good enough X logo is posted tonight, we'll make 
go live worldwide tomorrow. That was on Saturday. And then he tweeted that X.com now points to Twitter.com. And then finally he posted this interim X logo that came from someone's old podcast. I'm literally not making it up. Someone just replied to him and yeah. said, hey, we don't have this podcast anymore. Do you like this X logo? Now it's the literal worldwide brand of Twitter. It's, so. pretty, it's pretty bare bones. He's the richest person in the world. He can't pay someone you know, a <laughs> decent amount of money to make a, a good looking X logo. There, there was this discourse though of usually corporate rebrands take a lot of time yeah. and a lot of money and everyone again that's fair elon has his sycophants and they say like well look at he did it in 24 hours and it costs right. zero money so but I, I if we do want to talk a little bit about the everything app like this has been on his on his mind since he started founding companies and basically he wants to recreate like WeChat in China, which is this app that you can order a car or you can pay your friends or pay your bills. You can even message each other and buy flights on it. So he has this idea for this, this right. big kitchen sink worth of an app and he's going through with it. Like Twitter is no more. We literally woke up this morning, yeah. someone in uh, Emily, our producer, refreshed Twitter and was like, oh my gosh, it's X now. So this is really happening. Also, the funniest thing about this in terms of the everything app is Linda Yaccarino, who's the CEO of Twitter slash X or whatever, put out this absolute word salad of oh a tweet God. trying to justify why they're doing this. And she wrote, X is the future state of an unlimited interactivity centered in audio, video, messaging, payments and banking, creating a global marketplace for ideas, goods, services and opportunities. Here we go. Powered by AI, X will connect us in all the ways we are just beginning to imagine. For many people, that reminded them of a scene in Succession where one of the kids is talking about their new media company, and they called it Substack meets Masterclass meets The Economist meets The New Yorker. <laughs> Basically, a meaningless, yeah. uh, a meaningless, meaningless jumble of words. I'm not sure in the end the name is going to matter. It's probably stupid to ditch the bird, which yeah. is a, a beautiful logo that people recognize all over the world for something so generic like an X just because you have a particular fascination with it and you name your kids <laughs> after X. So I don't think this is going to matter uh, in the long run. What will really matter if he can stop people from going to Meta's threads mm -hmm. and keep people on, the, I was about to say tweeting on the platform, but I guess we don't say tweeting anymore. Are people going to say X? I have no are, are people not going to call this Twitter? That's my question. That's what I'm wondering. A lot of people have been openly wondering is it Xing now? Like, what do you what do you call Ex exposing? I don't know. It's it's a very it's a weird time. Here's another that. problem: you don't really want to put X in your URL bar. Uh, oh, first. Yeah. <laughs> there are a lot of reasons why you. And I'll let the audience figure it it out right there. why you don't want to like have a have a website that starts, starts with, with the letter X. X. I didn't even think about that one. This is good. We need to be hired as brand consultants, Neil. Final note on the Twitter logo, because there is some interesting lore about it. The One of the Twitter co-founders, Biz Stone, he's from Boston, and he named the bird Larry T. Bird after Larry Bird. <laughs> I didn't know that. That's good That's good lore, too, as well. I guess there's not as much lore going on with this, this X. X logo. Yeah, It's just so generic. We'll yeah. see. Uh, it's very easy to, to bash on Elon for these uh, head-scratching moves. I think in the end, it's not going to really change anything. It's it's more him putting a stamp on the company saying, this is this mine. Is mine. Yeah. I want you to forget everything that Twitter was. It's its former management. <sighs> this is my app. So I, think, so I think his loyal fan base will continue to gravitate towards the app, yeah. while the people in the middle will 
maybe stay there because Threads is not doing so hot anymore after a hot start. All right, let's move on. Uh, for the past few weeks, we've been wondering whether Barbenheimer's virality on social media would translate to ticket sales at the box office. We have our answer. Hell yeah. The most hyped movies of the year, Barbie and Oppenheimer, gave North American movie theaters their best weekend since Avengers Endgame arrived four years ago. Both movies dismantled expectations and put up historic numbers. Greta Gerwig's Barbie pulled in $155 million in North America, good for the best opening of the year and the best domestic opening for a woman director in history. Oppenheimer, Christopher Nolan's saga about the father of the atomic bomb, grossed $80.5 million. That is a remarkable number given that it's rated R and is a three-hour period drama. The $80 million haul crushed projections for the film by 66%. So in the end, we learned that at least when it came to these two movies, one plus one equals three. They weren't really competitors. They were teammates. And the hype contributed to the hype for the other. About 200,000 moviegoers bought tickets to see Barbie and Heimer. Barbie and Oppenheimer on the same day, meaning they did a double bill. I know. Neil, I just want to run down through some of the stats that came out from this weekend just so people can truly wrap their head around how big of an event this was. So first off, as you mentioned, Barbie was the biggest opening weekend for a female director ever surpassing Captain Marvel. And then this is the first time in box office history that two movies opened to over $80 million each. First time ever, I said. Barbie had the biggest opening weekend of all time without a single IMAX screening, beating Twilight's New Moon, interestingly enough. Did you see that in IMAX? I did not. No, no. The biggest opening oh. without an IMAX. Oh, without an IMAX. Yeah, so the, kind of a narrative. Because Oppenheimer took over all Right. IMAX. It's a little bit of a narrative violation because we've been saying that IMAX has been driving yeah. sales. And then Barbie had the fifth biggest opening of all time if you don't include sequels and prequels. And I actually want to talk about that for a second because, thank God, this feels <laughs> like the end of the prequel, sequel, reboot era where all we got was just remakes of old films. And the reason why people are saying that is because the fifth Indiana Jones movie came out. That disappointed at the box office. Mission Impossible, the seventh Mission Impossible came out. That also kind of disappointed yeah. at the box office. And so here you had these two kind of novel, new creative approaches. Obviously, Barbie is based off of pre-existing IP, but the movie itself was so original and weird, even though... Uh, I have not seen it yet. I'll have to do that as, as an asterisk. People are saying, like, this is a new creative approach to filmmaking. And then, obviously, Christopher Nolan does something new every time yeah. he, he takes the screen. It so. could, I, I get that. I think it's just new. Fran I think it's that particular IP has been tapped out, the, right. the Fast and the Marvel. I mean, even Disney CEO Bob Iger was like, where we have to pull back on Star Wars and Marvel. We've literally squeezed all of the juice that we could. But what did Barbie pass in uh, ticket sales as number one movie this year? Super Mario Brothers. Right. So this is not exactly, you know, Greta Gerwig coming up with this new fantastical idea. It's tapping IP that already exists. Same with the other video game, or same with Super Mario's, which was a video game adaptation. Yeah. And only two of the top 20 movies this year are quote-unquote original films yeah. and the others are sequels so I don't think it's you know it's pretty this is pretty easy to say this is the end of the sequel franchise yeah. thing I, but it, I, I don't think it is but we may be flipping a page to a new chapter I guess the big question is how much is this a flash in the pan or you know is this a new era of filmmaking or is this yeah. kind of just a blip on the radar because Movies, I mean, the greater, the greater movie industry right now is going through some rough times. This is going to be the biggest weekend 
uh, in months and perhaps years because of the writer's strike and actor's strike that's going on. Yeah, well, and I was also just looking at it as kind of a bookend to the pandemic era of mm. Hollywood. If you look at the pandemic box office halls, you see these massive spikes for Avengers Endgame, for Spider-Man No Way Home, and then the rest of it is like super muted until Barbenheimer. So it also comes up as like this huge heart outlier. Spike. Yeah, yeah, outlier. So it's going to be an outlier. Before we move on, we have to go back to our predictions. Oh, yeah. <laughs> which I don't really want to remind you of because we didn't do well. But we said Mission Impossible 1, Barbie 2, Oppenheimer 3. And it looks like Barbie came in number one with $155 million. That's by far the most. And then Oppenheimer, $80.5 million. And Mission Impossible had five days over the holiday weekend, and it only brought in $80 million. So here's the deal. I get it completely wrong. So, <laughs> so what do I get? I literally got everything <laughs> inverted. So I guess the hair is going pink after my wedding. So that's what I'll say. All right, Neil, let's move on to our next story. You getting married? Uh, no, not my wedding, but I do have another, another wedding uh, coming up. Um, we both know it has been hot as heck recently. We're talking hottest days ever recorded on Earth hot. And one of the multitude of side effects we kept an eye out for during this heat wave was how power grids across the globe would hold up. Hot days mean people run their ACs a lot more frequently, which puts a ton of strain on the power grids, especially in the likes of ultra-populated states with fragile energy infrastructure like Texas and California, as well as over in Europe. Well, it turns out that those three problem children are doing surprisingly okay. California hasn't had any rolling blackouts so far. The Texas power grid that imploded during that freak winter storm in 2021 has held up all right. So what's the secret sauce? For California, it's been hydropower. For Texas, it's been solar. And for Europe, it's been a bit of a mixed bag. We'll get into that. Neil, which grid do you want to talk about first? <laughs> which grid do I want to talk about? It's so exciting. No, the first thing I want to mention is that, did, does this happen to you when you run your AC and then you go outside and you hear the thrum of ACs and you're oh, like, yeah. and I just, all, first thing I think about is the power grid. I'm like, can it handle this? It Everyone boggles my mind. Yeah, yeah. Everyone is cranking this air into their uh, houses right now because it's so dang hot. Uh, I guess the first one I want to talk about is California uh, because that one is kind of the simplest explanation, which is it snowed so much this winter over there. And what was great for ski slopes is also great for hydropower because all that water runs up and uh, creates all this energy. And hydropower produced more electricity in May in California than any month in the last three years. It, so not only is this snow and water in this super wet summer or super wet winter helping ease the drought, which it has, but it's also leading to an incredible rise in hydropower generation. Yeah, no, I actually, I remember looking at those pictures of the, the record the snow, snow pack pack. that hit, and then it's kind of been this beautiful thing where it's melting over time powering uh california 14 percent of california's electricity this year is going to come from hydropower that's up from nine percent last right. year so meanwhile we're talking about like lake mead and lake powell getting below the line where they could produce any hydropower right and so what what a turnaround for for california Big turnaround and then Texas uh, has been leaning on renewable power too. So Texas's power grid has more than double the amount of solar capacity this year compared to last year. So it kind of was one of those things where Texas had that really, really horrible 2021 uh, storm that put so much strain on the 
the power grid and they in doubled down on solar and wind to kind of make up yeah. the I didn't know this but uh Texas actually produces more has more wind capacity than any other state in the nation. People so, don't know that because they think of Texas as this very oil, you know, conservative yeah. uh Republican state with it with well I mean Houston's the oil capital of, of the world. And, you know, they rely on natural gas, but they're also just a renewable energy powerhouse. Yeah, they 42 or 40 percent of uh, their power capacity comes from winds and solar, which, yeah, again, it feels like a narrative <laughs> violation. Yeah, Texas doing well. Um, all right, Neil, before we jump into our next story, we're going to take a quick break. All right, Neil, it's time for our Monday segment, Winners of the Weekend, where we sift through the news to find someone or something that had a particularly good past two days. I'm up first, Neil, and I want to talk about the lottery again. So remember last week we got confirmation on Thursday from the California lottery that the winning ticket for the $1.08 billion Powerball jackpot had been sold at a Las Palmitas mini market near LA. I've been there. Oh, it's a, it's a good place. Then over the weekend, we finally got our first look at the winner of that jackpot. An unnamed woman came into the Las Palmitas Mini Mart and told a reporter there that she was the winner of the ticket. She hugged some people, started crying, and generally celebrated her life-changing victory. So we're glad that the ticket went to someone who was clearly excited about it, right? Well, it turns out she made the whole thing up. The store owner said that they had never seen the woman there before and certainly didn't sell her the ticket and that the real winner had not come forth yet. The granddaughter of the store said that she thinks the woman just wanted to be on TV for a little bit, which is actually why I'm declaring her a winner in my book. Listen, you only get so many chances at your 30 seconds, a one minute of fame. So I respect the heck out of her just going into the store and saying, Listen, it was me, everybody. Like, congratulations to me. So kind of a ridiculous winner of the weekend, but it was it made for a funny viral video. Does this happen every lottery? It doesn't. I don't think it does because it's actually not that beneficial to declare yourself the, the public winner of a lottery because then right. you'll get a lot of increased attention. Some people might be a little dangerous towards you going forward. So I really think she was just after the fame. Maybe your winner should have been the, the store itself. The store itself. Yes, that was my next point. The store actually nets $1 million for selling the winning ticket. And the store owner, uh, Navar Herrera, says that he'll use that money to take his family on a luxury vacation and start a college fund. So I, think I guess there's the, I think he's, he's the, the winner. real winner at here. So yeah. the, the Powerball has not been claimed yet. By or by, there's no. Winner. It's been sold, but no one's come forth right. to, to claim it yet. So it's not us, though. All right, <laughs> my winner is the Reggae Girls, which is what the Jamaican women's national team calls itself. Over the weekend, the team held France, who's ranked 38 spots above them, to a scoreless draw at the World Cup in one of the bigger shockers of the tournament so far. It was Jamaica's first ever point at the World Cup. But even getting to the World Cup has been a journey for Jamaica, who's accused its soccer federation of being extremely disorganized and sometimes not even paying them what they're owed. They wrote a letter to the organization expressing their utmost disappointment at the subpar support for them. But unlike the Jamaican bobsled team, they don't need John Candy to help. One of the midfielders' moms started a GoFundMe to help support the team financially, which raised $50,000, and another campaign raised $45,000. These girls are plucky, and if you're looking for an underdog to get behind at the World Cup, 
think the reggae girls are the way to go. And I just want to talk about the team itself. This is their second World Cup in a row. They're ranked 43 in the world, but like France is a, a pre-tournament favorite, and so they did really, really well. Yeah. Unfortunately, they picked up a red card right at the end of the game. It was like a really soft second yellow. So, but I love this story. Obviously, yeah, people are gonna make the cool runnings parallels, but like this is a legit federation. They're they're doing really well. They have some NWSL players who who were yeah. drafted highly. So and a Man Manchester City striker. It's, it's she's the one who got the red card, right? Yeah, I think her name is uh, Bunny. Uh, yeah. it, it was a bit of a bummer, but yeah, just a feel good story. And you love that. Yeah, the moms come forth and just say, "Listen, let's, yeah, we're, let's get our girls there." It's, it's a feel good story, but it's also frustrating right. that it, it shows just how disorganized and the lack of support that women's teams get in certain countries. Jamaica is super pissed at theirs for being incredibly incompetent, yeah. and Canada is also mad at their own federation yeah. for not paying them equally as the men's. Come Obviously, on. the U.S. women put on this full court press to get you know what they're owed. Yeah. So it, Come on, it, kind, calf. It, it kind of exposes the a lot of the problems that are happening yeah. in, in this sport but but mbd we're, we're putting our we our are we're reggae girls i love supporters that. okay neil let's move on to our next story where the nasdaq is undergoing a special rebalance because just like us after hitting the gym too much it's looking a little top heavy so a special rebalance is triggered whenever the aggregate weight of companies that make up 4.5% of the index tops 48%. So put another way, Microsoft, Apple, NVIDIA, Amazon, and Meta are doing way too much heavy lifting right now. Neil, this is not an abnormal thing, but it's not super frequent either. It's only happened twice in 2011 and 1998, but it kind of goes to show what an absurd rebound big tech yeah. had this year. Yeah, there's these magnificent seven stocks, which has replaced FANG uh, acronym as sort of these mega cap tech companies, Meta, Apple, Amazon, Alphabet, Microsoft, Tesla, NVIDIA. And the problem was when we were saying the NASDAQ went up 2% the day, the NASDAQ fell 1% today. We were literally just talking about like three or four companies right. who were driving outsized uh, gains or losses in this particular index. So it's something that needs to happen. What is going to, you know, are you going to open up Robinhood or your brokerage this morning and see havoc and tech companies? Not really. Uh, analysts don't really expect this to have a meaningful impact on stock prices, but investment firms that offer funds that track the NASDAQ 100 will have to sell and buy particular stocks to mm -hmm. uh, make up for these rebalancing and have their weighting equal what it looks like in the NASDAQ 100. Yeah, so that is how it's going to affect like the everyday investor is that the whatever your concentration is in big tech is going to change a little bit because yeah, these indexes like the Invesco QQQ, which is actually the second most traded ETF on us stock mm -hmm. exchanges. Um, so a lot of people have uh, like a little bit of money in the, in, in the QQQ. Yeah. And basically what it's going to do is reduce the concentration in top tech companies. So if you want to remain as highly concentrated, then you got to buy a little bit more of yeah. Yeah, that magnificent seven. But one final note, the NASDAQ 100, that's doing the rebalancing is not the same as the NASDAQ composite. So when we say the Dow, the NASDAQ, and the S&P 500, when we say the NASDAQ, we're talking about the NASDAQ composite, which is basically all of the stocks that are traded on the NASDAQ exchange. The NASDAQ 100 is just the top 100 non-financial companies within the NASDAQ composite. So it's a little confusing, yeah. but this is just a narrower slice of the you know the NASDAQ that we talk about right. that's made up of a lot of big tech companies. Love getting into the nitty gritty of the stock market sometimes. 
Not financial advisors. Not financial advisors. <laughs> you don't have to remind people. They know. Um, all right, let's get into our week ahead, what you can expect over the next couple of days. Huh, a lot of earnings. <laughs> a lot of earnings. I think 166 S&P 500 companies are going to report. That's one-third of the entire index. Just did that math in my head. We got Meta, Alphabet, Microsoft, McDonald's, Coca-Cola, ExxonMobil, any ones you're particularly looking forward to? Um, I mean, anytime big tech reports, like you got to pay attention to it a little bit. Um, I'm also just curious about McDonald's because remember the, the Grimace shake yeah. phenomenon that oh. we talked about? I'm gonna, I want to know how much like a social media trend actually contributes to any sort of bump in sales. Well, so, Barbenheimer right. was and I, effective. I hope they mention the Grimace shake oh, on an earnings call. Yeah, and so. Chipotle is reporting too. So I'm curious about how burrito season went. Oh, yeah. It was burrito season. I did not partake. What? Okay. Uh, what else is going on? Maybe the final Fed rate hike of the cycle. Jerome Powell and his buddies will meet on Tuesday and Wednesday. They've been hiking interest rates for 16 months. I don't have to tell anyone who's paid a loan recently. Yeah. Uh, so they, you know, with inflation coming down to 3%, obviously that's still a little bit higher than the 2% target, but it's come down from 9%. And uh, the expectations are that this could be the final rate hike of the cycle. We'll look for uh, any guidance from Fed Chair Jerome Powell to see whether he's going to leave the door open for another one that I think would upset, uh, upset yeah. stocks. We also have the Women's World Cup going on uh, in Australia and New Zealand. It's at really weird times. The U.S. women won Friday night, and they're playing again Wednesday night against the Netherlands, so that'll be something we're going to watch. It's, our, a, it's a rematch of uh, the last yeah, World Cup's finals, actually. So. And the Netherlands knocked the men out yeah. from the previous We got World some Cup. beef. We, we got, got some, some beef with the Netherlands. When are the reggae girls playing again? We have to find out. Yeah. We're bad fans. <laughs> All right, what else is going on? Futurama returns uh, after a really long break. That's obviously from Matt Gronig, uh, the Simpsons creator. If, even if you don't know the show, you know the memes. I, I've seen the memes. I've never seen the show, but you, you cannot see them. It's yeah. uh, We know that someone won the billion-dollar Powerball jackpot last week. We don't know who, but the Mega Millions is up over $800 million right now, Let, let's, and that drawing is on Tuesday. Let's go to California because the yeah. last two giant Powerball lotteries have been won in California, so clearly it's not moving west of the Mississippi, so let, let's go do a road trip. And then finally, it is Shark Week, and a wise man, Tracy Jordan, once said, live every week like <laughs> it's Shark Week. But it's Shark Week, so you got to turn up. I know, and Jason Momoa is hosting Jason it. Momoa. I love Shark Week. It's just it's it's a bastion of my childhood. It's always a summer thing that you watch. All right, that is our show. Let's wrap it up there. Hope everyone has a wonderful Monday. Great start to the week. If you want to write in and let us know what you think, which movie you saw this weekend, our email is morningbrewdaily at morningbrew.com. Emily Milliron is our editor and producer. Samantha Velas and Raymond Liu are our associate producers. Uchenawa Ogu is our technical director. Billy Menino is on audio. Hair and makeup is off for Shark Week. Devin Emery is our chief content officer and our show is a production of Morning Brew. Great show today, Neil. Let's run it back tomorrow.